Is my puffer going to be too, like, puffy? Do you no, reckon, like, reckon. you're going to, like... No. I don't reckon we'll hear it. Can the people hear that, do you think? Don't you think... Haven't you felt like when you've listened to episodes and we've said, like, oh, sorry about this noise and the noise is never there? I don't know. I feel like I always hear the noise. Really? I don't have very good hearing, so that could... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck them. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to keep my puffer on. Do it. You need to be warm. Yeah, I need to be warm. That's right. <laughs> Hi, Josephine. How are you? I'm great. Hello. Welcome back. Yay. Yay. Welcome back. Uh, first, oh my God, I've forgotten how this works. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we're recording this podcast on, the dark and young people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Welcome to my favourite musical. Yes, welcome. It's been a hot minute. Literal months. <laughs> Life got crazy again. Yeah, well. And I'm sure you're all just out there hanging out. Oh. What are they going to think about I really hope musical? This has popped up in someone's podcast playlist today and they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot about this. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> this podcast existed. And you'll be so excited about the musical we're covering today. Oh, so excited. Good Lord. I hope they didn't look at the title and decide not to and listen. Be like, I bet people off. do that. Because after a four-month hiatus, you should come back with like, I don't know, so, Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, that's not how we roll. Go back and listen to episode 10, 10 I yeah, think. I yeah, for Hamilton. <laughs> it's not, this is episode 65. Whoa. I know, crazy. They said it wouldn't last. I know. They really did. <laughs> they was us. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you, Ruth? Oh, look, I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. That's Ruth for anyone who's forgotten. And that's Josephine. Yes. Uh, we are the hosts. And this is a podcast about musicals. Yeah. In this podcast, we spend a little bit of time at the top talking about news of the theatre world and musical theatre adjacent world. And as our world, I guess, yeah. a bit. Our world is musical theatre adjacent, it's I would true. say. Then we talk about a musical. Yeah. And we generally pull it apart. Yeah. Well, Josephine hates everything. I hate some things. Would we say you hate most things? <laughs> I suppose. That's... <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's say that. Yeah. Um, I, I do endeavour to find shows that you like, but we're right, at episode 65 we are running short. Yeah, we, we were running short We ran short, short this ago. week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, hey, has there been any news of the world? Yeah, well, I was going to say in the four months since we last recorded, I have auditioned, uh, rehearsed and done a show. Yes, you have <laughs> Staged a musical. I have staged a musical, a production of Tick, Tick, Boom, which went very well. Yes. Um, See our episode on Tick, Tick, Boom? Yes. Listen, didn't we? Information about the production? I can't remember what number it was. No. It would have been fairly early You covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was great. It was more than great, Ruth. It was so good. Thank you. Josephine did our costumes. Yes. And they were particularly stunning. They really were. (laughs) I thought you did a great job. It was your first time costuming a show. It was. Um, yeah. That was a sensational production. Thank you. It's maybe like it's really, it's been a renaissance for Tick Tick Boom, I think. Yeah, I think, I'm hoping we've helped some people fall in love with that show. I think you definitely have. Mm. Mm. Um, I've also seen quite a few shows since we last recorded. I won't go into, most of them were sort of, you know, community theatre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Productions that we don't need to talk about. But one I did want to mention was I saw that gender-flipped version of On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. Yes. Uh, that Squabologic did. And I thought that was particularly good. And you didn't know that show, did you? At all. Yeah. I think I knew that song. Yeah, and wow. that's it. What did yeah. you think? I really enjoyed it. Mm. I mean, it was going to be hard to fully modernise it. Yeah. Um, but they did it. I think they did a good job with, with what they did. So That's so good. Yeah. It's good. really good seeing shows, like seeing the names of shows like that. You know? Yeah. Exactly. That's not a show you and would like, see. And, like, yeah, when would I have ever seen on a clear day? Yeah. You know, yeah. so that was good. Um, The Tony Awards happened since we last recorded. They did. Uh, which I thought I was happy yeah. with the results in no general. No upsets, I thought. No, and some real, like, redemption Tonys oh, were yeah. given out. You know, people who were not nominated previously for roles they should have been nominated for, yeah. like Alex Newell and Bonnie yeah. Milligan, who both won. Um, someone like... Um, 
uh, Brandon Uranowitz, oh, who yeah. has been nominated like four times, one for Leopold Start, Michael Arden won for mm. Parade. Like there was just some great wins. Yeah. And I think in general Kimberly Akimbo deserved to win yeah. all the awards all that it awards, did. Yeah. 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 So We've been talking about that for so long. Exactly. Yeah. It was a really, it was a strong year and a great. Um, it really was a it was strong like year. Good decisions. Yeah, it was yeah. a good year actually. I yeah. think a good season. I noticed that Leopold Start has closed, like as of. Yeah, I think that was always the plan. Today. Yeah, I don't think that was early or anything. No, I don't think so. Either. Yeah, not like poor Camelot. Yeah, Camelot's closed early. There's been a few things yeah. that haven't done so well. But, um, you know, Prima Facey also just closed, but that did very well. Yeah. Got, well, she won. She, she won. Jodie Comer won. won. For those who don't know, that show started in Sydney. Yeah, written by um, an Australian. Yeah, written by an Australian, Susie Miller. Um, quite incredible, really, for mm, it to one woman show have yeah. the success it did on the West End and Broadway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's all been, there's been some great ones. I think Life of Pi might have closed a bit earlier than it was planning, mm. which is a shame because that looked amazing. I imagine the budget for that would be staggering. A lot. Yeah. 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 And just the upkeep on all the puppets oh, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, I, in, in that vein, I also just wrote a note that like lots of cast recordings have been released since yes. we last recorded. So Tell a us. lot of this current season, so some like it hot. New York, New York, the revival of Camelot that Josephine mentioned, K-pop, Shucked and Almost Famous yeah. have all been released yeah. since we last recorded. Yeah. So get listening. Heaps of stuff out there to listen to. Yeah. It's actually really awesome. Yeah. Lots of new stuff. Yeah. Did you have any other news? No, because my news was written four months ago. Yeah, we were going to record this episode and then life got really busy and then we just hadn't recorded in four months. <laughs> what was the news from four months ago? No, I like I've I've blocked I've blacked it out. I can't even read my notes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, should we get into it? Why don't we? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Annie Get Your Gun. Annie Get Your Gun. What the hell? What's your connection to the show? So as a really young person, I watched the 1950 film. Um, you could say like at the cinema. <laughs> yeah, at the cinema. <laughs> it was like part of that like movie musical canon of my childhood because yeah, okay. we would watch all of those and it was probably one of my favourites. I loved it. But you I love that. Is it Howard Keel? I love Howard Keel. Yeah, like yeah. he was always a guy that you Yeah, loved, he was right? a leading man that yeah. I loved. Um, but to be fair, I loved all of those movies like indiscriminately. <laughs> For sure. So Right. Like there was no real discernment there. No, it wasn't like this is particularly – yeah, no, none of that. Um, I saw an amateur production in maybe like 2002. Yeah. I want to say, um, and I love that a lot. Yeah. But I remember it being like not good. I remember that. Okay. <laughs> a lot of my friends who I didn't know at the time were in it. Yeah. Um, revisiting it for this podcast was actually a bit of a shock to the system. Like, yeah. Um, it's really racist. Um, there's also this like weird dissonance at times, I think, between the musical style and the subject matter. Like it's mm. sort of, I'll explain that more, but just it was like, oh, what? Like why are we singing like this in the Wild West? And yeah. Yeah, that is true. Stuff like that where I was like, what is this? I think, oh, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I do think that there is a certain amount of like it being – a musical that is beloved by a lot of people but no one really knows why anymore. Like if, if they listen to it now, they'd be like, oh, like why why is this musical so beloved? Which is literally the exact reaction I had. Yeah. And I had to tell Shane, I was like, come on, we're going to sit down, watch Annie Get Your Gun. I love this. And he was like, do you? Why? I'm like, no, it's just like it's, it's nostalgic and cute and then we watched it and we were both like, oh. Yeah, I, I, in fact, I should have watched the film for this because I don't think I've ever seen the film. But basically it's... You you didn't watch it at all? Like I, you've never seen it? I haven't, no, well, okay, so my connection. Ready. That amateur production that you talked about from, two, uh, yeah, 2002, I think, it, I auditioned. It was our like local musical society that did it, that Josephine and I met. You must have been the show before you joined. It was two shows before I joined because okay. I remember seeing It and then Dracula. Okay. Uh, is, then, it, is that the order that they came? I'm pretty sure. Okay. So interesting. All right. So, yes, I had 
auditioned for that. Yes. Not even gotten into the ensemble. No, rude. Heartbreak. One of my closest friends at the time played Frank Butler. Yes, I remember. So, so it was like he got cast as Frank Butler and I didn't get in the show at all. I mean, can you imagine? 15-year-old me was like Yeah, that, this is not okay, yeah. But I did – I was in the orchestra of that show. Yes. I played, I think, keyboard three, oh which God. I think was just the cello part on yep. the keyboard. Nice. And uh, – but I just – it was devastating. But then, yes, we did Dracula Spectacular yes. next. And I was one of the lead roles in that. So it just shows you how fickle uh, our community right. theatre was that I could not get into the ensemble of a show. And Maybe then, you just were having a bad day. Yeah, who knows? Know. But I just like, yeah. It was, and also your complexion doesn't belong in the Wild West, I That is say. true. I would burn to a crisp. <laughs> so, yeah. But, I've no, I've never seen it um, – other than that production. Yeah. But I know it quite well from being involved in that production. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But no, I haven't seen the film, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I might have watched it then. That would like, that you That would know, make sense. But I can't remember. Well, it is forgettable. <laughs> the film? <laughs> it turns out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As an adult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah good to know. <laughs> Um, so some info, it's by Dorothy Fields and her brother Herbert Fields with music and lyrics by um, Irving Berlin. Yeah. We haven't had a, a brother-sister no. team, have oh, we? Oh, well, I was going to say, it's also the first Irving Berlin show that we've That's covered. right. I mean, because honestly, like, when you look, I mean, I actually went down a real Irving Berlin rabbit hole yeah. researching this show, so I'll talk about him quite a bit, but... Um, he didn't really have many stage shows that did no. well that he was actually part of the the conceit of. That's right, rather yeah. than like just the use of his songs. Yes, correct, yeah. like a jukebox or whatever. But like I will say, and knowing him, sort of his history musically and his style, I don't know why he was involved in this show. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really like, what were you there? Yeah. Why were you there? Yeah. And I don't know much about Dorothy Fields and Herbert Fields. Yeah. What's so, their Well, Dorothy Fields, um, you do know a little bit. We've done a Dorothy Fields show. Yes, we have. Which is Sweet Charity. That's so right. she was mostly known as a lyricist rather than – and and we'll talk a bit about the the um, background, but basically she was going to be both the lyricist and That's the librettist. Right. Yeah. And then when Irving Berlin came on board, um, she stepped aside, and and because she knew that he would like he does, to write yeah. both. Yeah. And so, but yeah, she wrote the lyrics to Sweet Charity. Yeah. Um, she also wrote a lot of people would know the songs "The Way You Look Tonight" and "A Fine Romance." Yeah. She wrote the lyrics for both of those songs. Her brother Herbert Fields hasn't done a lot else. No. But I think he was just probably involved because she was. I love the idea that maybe she, like they were like, take your brother along. Yeah. And I think the other brother is Joseph Fields, who yeah. was also quite a successful writer. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a funny little... I think about, too, what life would have been like for Dorothy Fields. Like, yeah. What was Being that Being a world? woman in that, yeah. yeah. Apparently she was one of the few women in that kind of like Tin Pan Alley. Yeah. Sort of. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Ellie Greenwich story almost. Yeah, very yeah. similar. Yeah, so um, do you want to hear the plot of Any Get Your Gun? Yeah, let's t tell me. <laughs> so the story is very loosely based on fact and the little glimpses of the real story are quite fascinating, I think. So for fans of the TV show Deadwood, there are a few crossover characters and literally none right? of the grit. I've never seen Deadwood. Yeah, so we're, we love westerns in, in my house. Yeah. And so in Deadwood, because they're real characters and Deadwood is a fictionalised fictionalization of the town of Deadwood and its history. Yeah. But Calamity Jane is a character in Deadwood. Oh, and okay. While Bill Hickok is a is a character and Buffalo Bill and like those people who are from a lot of these musicals, like Calamity yeah. Jane, like Any Get Your Gun. So that is a thing that yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um if you only know Deadwood and not Any Get Your Gun though, this is not even remotely similar. Like no. there's no grit. There's no like dirt. There's yeah. No, it's very sanitized. Yeah, very sanitized. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so it's somewhere in the 1880s, and Buffalo Bill's Wild West show is traveling the country. This is a real thing, right? That, yeah, that happened. That was a real show that existed. That right. That's right. So it lands in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, Frank Butler, who's like the hot womanizing star of the show, is a renowned sharpshooter who's sh his whole shtick is to challenge the local shooting talent, which is a thing, I guess. Yeah. To a competition, like who's the best. Um, that's how they make their money. So this chick, Annie Oakley, shows up and a local hotel owner decides to enter her in the competition against yeah. Frank. I'd, um, I'd just like to pause and say that my husband played the local hotel owner. Yes. In was that it Will in, Williams Wilson? It was like Frank Wilson or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, Whatever. not Frank. Frank's the other one, but yes. It's, yes, um, that was his Wilson. role. Yes. That's the end of his role. Yes, it is. That's all he was in. <laughs> he also told me that. 
he was just cast in the ensemble when they realized they hadn't cast anyone to play that role. So they're like, uh, so they're like, oh, Andrew will do it. He's loud. Which he, yes, he can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Annie Oakley is like immediately enamored with Frank, but she's like really dirty. She's rough. She's illiterate. Um, and he has this like refined taste. He is a dick, yeah. basically. Yeah. She wins the competition because she's really good at shooting. Um, and Frank is impressed and also just pissed that a woman beat him. And then strap in for that being the whole theme of the show. Right? Yeah. 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 So Charlie and Bill, they're the show's managers, offer Annie a spot on the show as Frank's assistant. So the whole idea of the Wild West show is just like, whoa, look at this. It's like the shooting and there's horses and and like there's Indians and that's what happens at a Wild West show. Yeah. So Frank does this whole thing but has an assistant so Annie's job is to come and like give him the rifle and just things like that. So she agrees because she's fallen in love with Frank. Um, there is a competing show, Pawnee Bill's Far East show, and as the Wild West show travels around, Annie's talents become like a lot more impressive. Frank falls in love with her really quickly. Yeah. Like really quickly. It, and it's sort of like it's like a My Fair Lady thing. It's just as soon as she like washes her face. Yeah. He falls in love with her and Annie, yeah, smooths out her rough edges. Takes out her ponytail and put, takes off the glasses. That's right, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, she plans this impressive shooting stunt on a motorcycle, which is sometimes translated to a horse, depending on like which right. production you're doing. Um, both are historically accurate to surprise Frank um, and improve ticket sales because ticket sales are struggling. But when the stunt goes really well, Chief Sitting Bull, another talent in the Wild West show and another historically like yeah. a historical figure, Was a real person, yeah. yeah. Um, he adopts her and Frank is just really shitty that she's so impressive and like really just like visibly oh, and publicly yeah. shitty. Um, he was planning on proposing to her but instead he just storms off and joins Pawnee Bill's competing show. Really good. Yeah. That's the end of Act One. That's healthy behaviour. Oh, yeah. It's something uh, to aspire to. Yeah. Anyway, the Wild West show goes on a European tour and Annie is like wildly celebrated, but the show is broke basically. So it's in, it's really expensive to go on a European tour. This really happened too. Like, yeah. So they returned to the States. Yeah, didn't because, they perform for Queen Victoria yes, or something? Yeah. Yes, and a whole lot of other dignitaries. So they returned to the US because Annie is sad and she misses Frank and they have no money. So they decide to merge shows with Pawnee Bill because that show is seemingly successful. Um, at a dinner welcoming Buffalo Bill's show home, Annie and Frank have this like joyous and then really tense reunion when it's clear that Annie like was beloved in Europe and won all these medals and is really celebrated. Um, they fight again and they challenge each other to another competition. Um, then they like halt the merger because both shows are now at risk. At the match, so this is the final match between Annie and Frank, Sitting Bill and Charlie convince Annie to throw it to soothe Frank's pride, uh. save their relationship, save the shows, which she does and it all ends happily. Wow. That is the- I'd sort of forgotten. Okay, like I, I remembered how racist it was. Yes, I haven't even touched on that, right? I'd sort of forgotten... How sexist it is. My next thing is now what I didn't really mention was the Indian element. Yeah. But, yeah, carry on. Yeah, exactly. It's so sexist. It's so sexist. And it's like it's it's more than sexist. It's like upsetting. It's really like what the fuck. Yeah. Like I think that's the reason – it doesn't get done now, yeah. right? Like, there's like, some really there's good too reasons much why. to come no. overcome. You can't fix that. Yeah. Like, you can't fix you the can't. literal plot you of can't. the show. Yeah. So uh, the Indian part of it. So obviously, Sitting Bull is a character, but there are just constant Indian references, and none of them are kind. So there's a scene where Annie is adopted. Um, the song is "I'm an Indian Too." Yeah, we. I was talking to Andrew about it, and I was like, because. Um, We'll talk about it, but by the 1999 revival, that had, that been, had been cut. cut yeah. And and like I said, you, you said, you know, this production was in 2002 and I was like, so maybe we didn't do it. Andrew was like, oh, no, we did it. Definitely did yeah. it. Yeah, I remember it. So <laughs> that's awful. That whole thing is awful. Yeah. Um, a huge number of rewrites did happen for that 99 revival, not just getting rid of that number, but a lo- a, some other references. And they changed the ending so that Frank also decides to throw the match um, and they have a tie instead. So that, oh, that revival okay. did change that. But um, it doesn't really solve it's all the problems. It's not quite enough, yeah. It's an effort, but it's like not yeah. quite. Also, they didn't really change anything about his character to get him there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a, It was an effort, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's the plot. Yeah. Um, so a bit of history. So it was Dorothy Fields who had the idea. Yeah. Um, she wanted to – 
She wanted to do a musical about Annie Oakley and she was friends with Ethel Merman. So that was sort of the impetus. And she approached a new producing team on the scene, which was Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein II, who had just had um, Oklahoma be successful. And they wanted to be producers themselves, basically. And so um, they agreed to produce the musical and they asked Jerome Kern to compose it. Um, and the, and Fields would write the lyrics and her, her and her brother Herbert would write the book. But um, unfortunately, Jerome Kern had been working in Hollywood, working on movie musicals, uh, returned to New York but um, to work on it. But three days later, collapsed on the street due to a cerebral hemorrhage mm. um, and died yeah. like two weeks later, uh, which was sad. Um, and so they then asked Irving Berlin to write the score. Um, and Fields agreed to set down as lyricist, as I mentioned. And he initially declined um, because he wasn't sure. I think because, you know, as we've talked about many times, like Oklahoma was our first yeah. real like, you know, not musical comedy, just like proper yeah, songs story. serving the story. Yeah. And Berlin didn't think he could do that. Yeah. And like to be fair. He hadn't. And he maybe didn't. He maybe didn't. But, I mean, we are talking about 1946. Yeah. Like, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but Hammerstein persuaded him and 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 within days he came back um, after reading the script, he came back with doing what comes naturally, you can't get a man with a gun and there's no business like show business. Yeah. And to be fair, those are all bangers. Great songs. Great songs. Um, so the show premieres on Broadway at the Imperial Theatre on May 16th, 1946 and runs for 1,100. 47 performances. So like a That's big a good hit run. at the time. Yeah. 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 And also I just want to mention like they didn't even have a composer on like in November 1945 mm. and it opened in May 1946. Holy shit. Just the 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 pace at which shows happened back then compared to now yeah. is actually insane. Well like there's clearly just a theater is available yeah. and like yeah. And wow. that they just like write a show. Yeah. Like Irving Berlin's just at home just churning out yes. hits. You think how long it takes a show to get to Broadway now? It's insane. Wow. Um, So it predates the Tony Awards. Yes. Um, However, Mary Martin, who went on to do the national tour, um, received a special Tony Award in 1948 for spreading theatre to the country while the originals perform in New York (laughs) for the 1947-1948 US tour, which I thought was very charming. I I had a look at a lot of those special Tony Awards. Have you ever looked at that category? Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, so back then it would be like, so-and-so is the doorman and has been for, you know, like, it's so cute. (laughs) One of them was like, um, this married couple, it was just one of the first ones and it was like, inveterate um, first night attendees of all, (laughs) you know, like. That's so cute. They come to all the opening nights. It's like those awards you get when you graduate high school where they're like, you've got the best yeah, 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 exactly. Superlatives, yeah. do they yeah. call them? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the film that we mentioned before was released in 1950. Um, it won the Academy Award for Best Scoring of a Musical Picture and also received three other nominations. Mm. It was originally budgeted at $1.5 million with $600,000 of that payable to Irving Berlin and Dorothy and Herbert Fields, yes. which is kind of – I get it, you know. like Good on you. uh, But that's comparatively cheap compared to the 2.3 million budget for Berlin's Easter Parade. Yes. Um, It was one of the top grossing pictures of the year. Uh, MGM recorded it as earning $4.7 million in the US, Canada and $3 million overseas, Mm. resulting in a big profit. I thought this was interesting. In 1973, it was withdrawn from distribution owing to a dispute between Irving Berlin and MGM over the music rights, which prevented the public from viewing this film for almost 30 years. So it wasn't until the 50th anniversary in 2000 that it was seen again in its entirety. Gee, that would have been about the time I was watching it. Yeah. yeah, Isn't wow. that crazy? That's fascinating. Yeah. You know, it was originally Judy Garland in the film. I've got a whole section on that. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right, I will hold that. That was pretty fascinating, actually, yes. that whole history. Um, so the first Broadway revival was staged in 1958. I love how they used to talk about these, like the Broadway revivals. It ran for two weeks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like but they call it that because it's at a Broadway theatre. Yeah. So it's and that's considered what it a revival. Was, yeah. yeah. Like that's what they. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there was another one in 1966 at Lincoln Centre. Mm. Um, that was also Ethel Merman. Yeah. She played it again 20 years later. She's um, like top ball. Yeah, she really is. Um, so it ran um, from May to July and then did a 10-week tour and then returned to Broadway 
on the Broadway theatre for 78 performances. So, again, like not very long. Yeah. But it's still considered. A yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, some other interesting productions. So, in 1977, Gower Champion directed a revival mm. for the Los Angeles Civic Light Opera starring Debbie Reynolds as Annie. Yes. Which is cool, I think. Yeah. That, that would that be is great. Cool. Yeah. Uh, there were London revivals in 1986 and 1992. And then the 1999 Broadway revival we mentioned, that opened uh, February 1999 at the Marquee Theatre. And it closed on September 1st, 2001, after 35 previews and 1,045 performances. So, like, again, did very well. That's a lot. Um, it was nominated for two Tony Awards at the 1999 Tonys, winning Best Revival and Best Performance by a Leading Actress for Bernadette Peters, who played Annie. Uh, for Best Revival, it beat out Little Me, Peter Pan, and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Ah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, my first fun fact is all about Judy Garland, so oh, let's get yeah, into that. Yeah, I can't wait for that. So, yeah, so she, as um, Josephine mentioned, she was originally cast as the as Annie Oakley in the film. Uh, she, was, she was fired a month after filming started. Yeah, so you can still see scenes of her yeah. performing. Yeah. So she had recorded all of her songs for the soundtrack and she worked for two months under the direction of Busby Berkeley. Mm. Uh, but she complained about Busby Berkeley to studio head Louis B. Mayer attempting to have him removed from the film. And so Mayer watched Busby Berkeley's footage to that point and um, and sorry, not not him, but one of the other producers, Freed, was disappointed and fired him uh, fired Busby Berkeley, replacing him with another director called Charles Walters. Mm. Um, but uh, after filming started, she got several warnings for like not showing up. I think she was going through a divorce yeah. with Vincent Minnelli. They said there was a lot of health problems. Yeah, at the time. and she was on, you know, I mean, they, she was on prescription. Yeah. They put Everything. her on prescription drugs like so young, you yeah. know. Um, so she was fired. Um, there was a few different people who sort of tested for the part, but Betty Hutton won the part of Annie yeah. Oakley. So shooting resumed five months later after it had shut, and George Sidney replaced Charles Walters as director. So they went to through three directors and two Annies. Um, you know, they wanted to get Merman in, but um, oh. she was just like not happy being on film. Yeah, really. right. Like she was just like mm, not really that interested. Yeah. She did some of the films, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Yeah. But she was just like had had bad experiences, yeah, I think, in, right. in film. Okay. So, um, And I'll link to it when we talk about at the end, but they have a lot – the. On Spotify, there's an expanded edition of the original film soundtrack, which includes a lot of Judy Garland's yeah. recordings. I will say that Judy Garland is not the right choice for Annie. No, some of the songs sound quite nice in yes. her voice, but she's not the right for the part. No, she's not right. No, so. And Betty Hutton, it's interesting because you haven't seen the film, but she is an interesting choice. She's quite quite a bit older than you would expect for Annie as well, but, mm. um, but she's really... Yeah, she's full on. She, she was a big commits. musical comedy star, right? Yeah, 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 almost like vaudeville style. Okay. Yeah, but mm. interesting. Yeah. Do you have I, some other facts? I've got some cool fun facts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Frank Morgan was originally supposed to play Buffalo Bill in the film. Okay. Um, he played the Wizard of Oz in oh. with Judy Garland in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, he right. Died like right as they started filming. Oh god. So there is at the very beginning of the film, you can see there's one scene where. If you notice it, you can see a different Buffalo Bill. Right. Just for a brief moment. So they had started filming. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Buffalo Bill's a fairly old man, so like okay. he was he was older. Yeah. You know, by then. Um, Howard Kill broke his leg also during filming because oh. a horse fell on it. And apparently he was Betty Hutton went on the record and said no one was very nice to her. Yes. Filming it because like a, they'd all sort of started with Judy Garland. Apparently, though, she she was a mad drunk. Oh, really? Yeah, like really difficult to work with. Okay. So all of the other people in the film just say, like, we didn't like working with her. Yeah, okay. So she had, like, some serious abuse problem, like substance abuse problems and, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I love all that, like, golden age of Hollywood stuff. Oh, yeah. Um. All right, let's talk about Irving Berlin for a second. Please. He lived to 101. I know. Insane. 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 Which is why he could be like shaking up shit in the 70s, yes. right? With bloody MGM. It's crazy. So <laughs> um, he was born Israel Balin, I think is how you say it, in 1888. Yeah. Insane. Wasn't he? He was born in Russia, right? He was born in, well, it, what, what would we now consider to be Belarus? Yeah. So a place called Tolishin, um, in a shtetl. And he grew up, so, you know, his family fled 
um, the pogroms and that yeah. sort of thing, see Fiddler on the Roof for That's right. For, <laughs> for reference. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I didn't realise actually when I was reading about it, lots of that era of Hollywood were like that, like the Gershwins, mm-hmm. yep. Louis B. Mayer, like all these like big Hollywood stars, Al Jolson, yeah. were all from families that fled. Yes. Um, you know, were these Jewish families that um, emigrated to the United States. Yeah. Um, so his family grew up in a tenement. Um, house on the Lower East Side of New York City. Um, I think his father his father was a cantor, which I thought was interesting, mm. and and that's sort of how um, he, like he got into singing. Yeah, 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 because his father had been a cantor in um, in, in like in synagogue. The, yeah, yeah, like in the Russian Empire where they lived. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so his father died quite young. Um, and so they all kind of got put to work and he basically became a newsie. Yes. Like he was selling newspapers. Like so many boys in New York, right? Yeah. And um, and that's sort of how he got into it is he would listen, you know, they would be selling newspapers outside of these like saloons and mm. restaurants and stuff and he just like really got to know all the music that they were playing and started learning the songs. Um, he got his first music publishing job at 18. Um, and ended up working in Tim Pan Alley writing songs. He actually started writing lyrics, not not the whole not yeah, music. Not the music yeah. um, and then sort of uh, I think for one of them they just like needed a melody and he was like just sort of banged it out, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about his love life for a second. Oh, yeah. So sad. in February – so sad. In mm. February 1912 after a whirlwind courtship, he married 20-year-old Dorothy Gertz of Buffalo, New York. And then during their honeymoon in Havana, she contracted typhoid fever and was never able to recover. She died in July that year. Um, But then years later in the 20s, he fell in love with young author and heiress Ellen Mackay. Mm -hmm. Um, He was Jewish and she was an Irish Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. And so apparently it was like all over the press. Yeah. And they just followed every move. And her father – did not approve right from the beginning. Yeah. He was um, – he even had like his own article on Wikipedia, the father, Clarence um, McKay or Mackay. Um, he was the socially prominent head of the Postal Telegraph Cable Company. <laughs> so, yeah, he objected to the marriage um, and it like the act – they eloped and it he found out about it like by reading it in, in the paper. Yeah. Uh, however, the mother had – they were divorced, um, her mother and, and him – and uh, she approved. She gave her blessing. Yeah. Um, and so there was all these reports that he had disowned the daughter and all this sort of thing. And so, and like, so in response, Irving Berlin gave the right to the song Always, which is a very famous song, mm. who he, which he had written up about after meeting her, still played at weddings um, to her as a wedding present. Yes. So she was guaranteed a steady income no matter what happened with the marriage. Um, and the father didn't speak to them for three years years but after one of their sons died yeah, in I think infancy. It was their first son, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was the first, but like yeah, one yeah. of the very young. And um so they reconciled then and their marriage um you they know remained strong. They, they were yeah. inseparable until she died in July nineteen eighty eight at the age of eighty five. And he died the year later. Yeah. yeah. So like it's kind of Yeah. It's like beautiful. It's lovely. Yeah. Um he never learned how to play piano in more than one key. Oh, my god! Did gosh. you read about this? Yeah. No. So he used two special pianos. How his, can that be? Yeah, his first piano purchased secondhand in 1909 was made by Wieser Brothers, augmented in 1921 by a second from Somner Brothers with transposing levers to change keys. Whoa. So he only – I think it was like F sharp. He played everything in F sharp. That is so weird. And but it that was doesn't just, even like – I know. It's so weird. Wow. Yeah. Um. Tell me, was he in World War One? I? I don't think he fought, but he was a very patriotic um, uh, sure person. He, he wrote a lot for like army productions and things. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, see. And just for those who don't know, I'm just going to mention some of the songs that he wrote. Yeah, that he, was aren't... A, he was a sergeant. Oh, was he? Yeah. Okay. Oh, for some reason, I didn't think he actually fought. Mm. Um, some of the songs he wrote that you might know that you might not – I mean – you might know that they're by Irving Berlin, but maybe not. So White Christmas obviously is yes. incredibly famous. Alexander's Ragtime Band was Very the song famous. that like catapulted him, him yeah. into fame. Cheek to Cheek, yes. Blue Skies, Putting on the Ritz, which is in Young Frankenstein for what it's worth, the musical. <laughs> and God Bless America. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, really? I yeah. like I think because I've seen every 
every Irving Berlin movie, like yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, and he was big in That's Entertainment as well. Like on yeah. that, you know that. Anyway. Yeah. I, I have seen the That's Entertainment. Yeah. Yes, I've seen those. Yeah. That was actually, I was reading that today. That was That's Entertainment 3 features the Judy Garland footage. Yeah, it does. That's yes, right. Yes, that was the first time it had been shown. It. Yeah. 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 So oh, Fascinating. Crazy. Yeah. And we do think we haven't really discussed him yet. I know. And like I said, I think it's because he doesn't really do like. Yeah. Like I've seen the 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 adaptation they did of Holiday Inn. Yeah. Which features the song White Christmas, yes. right? Is yes. that right? Yeah. Um, and there's also a, an adaptation of White Christmas. Yes. Um, but yeah, Holiday Inn was quite good, I thought. Mm. Um, but that was only recent. Mm. Yeah. It yeah, had like Corbin Blue in it. Yeah. And he danced the storm up. Oh, that's it. cool. Yeah. But it's an interesting point because I think the dissonance that I feel about the music of the show not matching the the like the style of the the story is very much like he definitely knew his limitations there and, like, yeah. he was correct in sort of saying, like, I don't think this is my bag. Like, and he wrote not. all these reviews and things. Yeah, and, and the songs his... the songs for Any Get Your Gun are awesome. Like, yeah. Like, they're so good, but yeah. they don't match the show. No. And it doesn't make sense that the characters are singing those songs. No. You know, stylistically. That's right. Even just, like, there's no business like show business, right? Very famous song. Everyone knows it. But you would never... If you didn't know that it was from Annie Get Your Gun, you would never be like, what show would this be from? Annie yeah. Get Your Gun, maybe? Like, you just never would. No. And your favourite song, for example, definitely doesn't belong in this show. Or, the, or do you think, if anything, it belongs the most? Because it's almost like... Nah. Okay. It's almost like Honky Tonk, though, like bluesy kind of... No. Nah. No, you don't reckon? She's talking about Moonshine Lullaby. We'll get to it when we do Gateway songs. I've got notes about your gateways. <laughs> <laughs> um... I wrote – well, we talked about the 1999 revival about them revising the libretto. Mm. I also thought it was interesting I, – I don't know if I wrote a note about this, but, you know, there was that, like, B storyline yeah. where one of the characters was, like, half Native American. Yes. They took that out for some of the revivals and it got put back in. Yes. For that, for that revival. Yes. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's sort of like – and I couldn't really find a good reason as to why. That's not included in the film for those of you who are wondering. Okay. Um. But do you think they took it out because they were like, oh, we can't show like an interracial couple? Yeah, definitely before the revival. Yeah. And I think that's why it was brought back in. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. The issue, of course, is that historically this show has been done with red face. Yeah, Like exactly. that's the issue is that a lot of these, and it was in the production that I saw that you were third keyboard yeah. in, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah. it was obviously, as, as they say, a different time. But like, yeah, it was yeah. like treated racist. Lee. Yes. <laughs> the yes. production that it we did. It definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing they changed for that 99 revival was they altered the structure so the show starts with there's no business like show business. Yes. So that it's like a show within a show. Yeah, which I think is weird. It is a bit weird, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's weird. But like, eh, I, I know, I get it. You've got to work hard to make this show work, I think. Yes, I agree. And I don't know if it's worth the effort. I don't, I think there's a reason it hasn't been done since 1999. Yeah. Considering how successful of a musical this is. Yes. Um, I think for a lot of, a lot of people it would just be one, it's a bridge too far. It really is. Yeah. And like it just, it belongs in time, you know. It's but a, also it's a, if you were doing it now, you would have to cast Native American performers yes. in all of those roles, yeah. as you should. Yes. Um, and that would be like that would be incredibly limiting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You because know? as we know, and I, it's been so long since I've looked at these Super stats. Super underrepresented. That, that makes up the smallest group of yes, representation exactly. on Broadway, for example. Exactly. So good luck. Yeah. Mm. Um, I have just like a bunch of people who've played Annie Oakley, which I think oh, is cool. quite interesting. So obviously we've talked about Ethel Merman and then Mary Martin on tour. Susie Quattro played Annie Oakley in the 1986 West End revival. Can we just for a second too just talk about how different Ethel Merman and Mary Martin are as yes. performers? Like, exactly. It's so weird to me. I guess the thing is the role could be sung quite differently yes. by a number of different people. But when you go like Ethel Merman, Bernadette Peters, like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah I can but see But then that. like Mary Martin. I know. Susie Quattro? Susie yeah. Quattro makes a bit of sense maybe. Yeah. Um, anyway. Susan Lucci was a replacement in the Who's 99 Susan revival. Lucci? Oh, I know that. she's a like a soap opera queen oh, in, really? in America. Yeah. What was she in? I think uh oh, 
or my children or one of those. Okay, I mean, let me look. they're American soap, so I don't really know. But I know that she's considered like the queen of soap oh, kind of thing. I know this face. Yeah. Yeah, all my children, you're right. All my, was it all my children? Oh, well done me. Well done um, you. Reba McIntyre yes. was widely considered to be like maybe one of the best replacements there's yes. ever been in one of these revivals there's kind of There's bootlegs thing. of her performance on YouTube and they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. recommend. So that was the 99 revival yes. that um, Bernadette Peters opened. Patti Lapone played the role in 2010 at the Ravinia Festival in Chicago. Of course. This was interesting. There was a 2009 Off West End revival starring Jane Horrocks. I love Jane Horrocks. So do I love her so much. Um, it was reorchestrated to just four pianos. Oh. And but it was nominated for um, best musical revival at the Olivier's, oh. like a little off West End. I love that. Isn't that cool? Um, mm. It was done in concert uh, for the New York City Center Gala in 2015 with Megan Hilty. She would be great. Yeah, she would be. Yeah, great, and Andy Carl was Frank Butler. He would, oh, yeah, he would nice. also be good. It would um, work as a concert because you wouldn't have to worry about any of the other shit. It's true. Yeah. Um, and in April earlier this year, it was done as a one-night-only concert version at the London Palladium with Rachel Tucker as Annie. I think you would know her if you saw her. She was um, she was uh, in Come From Away on the West End and maybe even Broadway. She was an Alpha Bar in the West End. Oh, yeah, I do notice. Yeah, like you'd know her face, I think. She's a very successful West End performer. Yes. You know what she was in that Songs for a New World that they did over COVID? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that that we watched that they like live streamed? That's right, she was, She was, I think, woman. Woman one, wasn't she? Yeah, I think she might have been. Yeah, so just like an array of people have played Annie Oakley. Um, Such a vast array. Yeah. Yeah. did you see that in 1957, a production starring Mary Martin as Annie and John Raid as Frank Butler was broadcast on NBC? No. Yeah. So, and then in 1967, the Lincoln Center production, so the one with that Ethel came back and yeah. did, was also broadcast <gasps> on NBC. Really? The Mary Martin version has been rebroadcast sporadically over the years, but the 1967 videotapes with Ethel Merman have been irretrievably lost. <sighs> So only a video and audio clip of I Got the Sun in the Morning and the Moon at Night is known to exist and there's an audio only, only recording of the whole thing. I love the idea that there are like there are people in the world who watch that on TV yeah, and would just be like, did that happen? Like, I know. Like was that And then now it's gone. We'll never know. We'll it's never so see crazy. it again. Um, I don't know how much you read about the real quote unquote people in the show. Like, I know heaps about. Do them. you? Okay, great. I didn't know a lot. The um, Annie Oakley Frank Butler relationship is much more wholesome in real life than it is in the film. I is think, it? And the and the musical. Okay. Like it sounds like a lasting partnership. Actually. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. So it was reported that they met when she beat him in a shooting match. That's yes. real. I think he was married at the time. Yes. So this memory. was interesting. Yes. So apparently. What's reported is that she was 15 and he was like 28. Yes. Um, and they married a year later. Yes. But now a lot of people think her age was exaggerated for like showbiz reasons. Yes. So probably she was more like 20 or 21. She was quite short. So yes. it was like a big thing to. Yeah. So she was this amazing kid. Yes. You know, this one exactly. kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably she was more like 20 or 21. Yeah. And it was also, yes, the reason it was a year later was so that he could get divorced yes. as well. Um, what I do think is weird, and I'm sure you'll agree, is that so she's very young when that happened in real life. Yes. She's often played by women in their like their 40s and 50s. Correct. Weirdly. Why? So this is my big thing about like the Betty Hutton thing, right? When I watch it, Annie Oakley is a young person in my head, but she's never portrayed that way, and I don't, I don't know why. Yeah, like, I don't get it. And is it because she's almost like, supposed to be like a spinster? Do you think in the show? Well, I think it's because she's she's a ball buster, and I think they yeah. just think a young person can't do that. It's got to be a character actress, and you've got to have a pretty ballsy voice. That's so true. I just wonder if traditionally they were like, no, an ingenue cannot do this. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because it's she is supposed to be young. They're both supposed to be young. Yeah. I know. I just thought that was – because in my head I was like – when I read that Patti LuPone had played it in 2010, yeah. she would have been in her 50s, yeah. I think. Yes. She's but then 60s. I wonder too, you know how like you look at pictures of those people, those historic characters, and they're like they're 20 but they look 45? Yeah. So I wonder if like back in the 60s they were like, oh, yeah, you, you pass as Annie Oakley, you're fine. Yeah. Bizarre. Bizarre. Um, throughout her career it's believed that Annie Oakley taught more than 15,000 women how to shoot a gun, yeah. how to use a gun I should say. 
Um, Oakley and Butler in 1894 were in Thomas Edison's kinetoscope film Little Sure Shot yes. of the Wild West. Uh, it was the 11th film made. Yeah, like, full stop. Full End of stop. sentence, yes. Yep. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yeah, They're, shown in 1894. And I think they were married until they died. Yeah, right? she like, died in 1926 in Greenville, Ohio. And one biographer reported that Frank Butler stopped eating after yeah. his wife's death, leading to his own death from malnutrition and starvation 18 days later on November 21st. Yeah. Also, I didn't know this. During her lifetime, the theatre business began referring to complimentary tickets as Annie Oakley's. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah. Such tickets traditionally have holes punched into them to prevent them from being resold. <laughs> Reminiscent of the playing cards Oakley shot through during her sharpshooting yes. act. Yes. I hadn't heard that term, but that's fun. So fun. Yeah. So what's interesting is like, um, you know, part of the the story of this musical is that Frank Butler is amazing and doesn't want to sort of bow down to a woman so she compromises in the end but yeah. like historically that's not what happened and that she okay. she was very much the star of the show like yeah. sort of really quickly overtook him in skill and there doesn't seem to be like much tension around that it was very much yeah. like my wife is Annie Oakley yeah like it was that sort of vibe and yet we couldn't have that on stage yeah why could that not be Bizarre. it's like not a believable story maybe in the Ugh. 40s and 50s isn't that funny yeah yeah, right. Okay, that's And really so she, she like she had babies and then came back to the show yeah. and like all of yeah, it was just She also I think I didn't write it down, but she starred in like a in like a plays of about her life yes. as herself kind yeah. of thing. Well, that could because really they were just full-time show people. Yes. They were like carnies, you know. I love that stuff. Yes. I love it. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um I wrote a few notes just about them, the red face stuff. Oh, yeah. Just in terms of it, they didn't really have citations for it, but apparently it was like protested right from the beginning yeah. by like Native American yeah. um, people Groups, basically yeah. holding signs up saying, don't see Annie, get your gun. Mm. Same as the film, apparently. Yeah. I think Calamity um, Jane had a similar sort of. Did it? Yeah. I don't, I saw the, do you remember the Hayes did the Calamity Jane and it went on to do yeah. quite a big tour around Australia? Yeah. I remember seeing it at the Hayes and it's like one of the best things I've ever, like it was yeah. so good, but I don't remember what they changed. Yeah. If they changed it, I'm sure they did. Well, what's different about Calamity Jane is that the Indian character, sa- I'm going to say Indian because that's what they refer to in the musicals. Yes, the Native yeah. American characters um, in Calamity Jane are just referred to as the enemy. You don't really ever see them. Okay. So they're just referred to derogatively. Whereas right. in Any Get Your Gun, they're, they're there. Like they're yeah. in the show. Sitting Bull is a character. He's a character, that's right. He adopts her, which yes. really happened. Yes. Crazy. It is crazy. I know. That there's some, there, I mean, I get why they wanted to dramatise that totally. stuff. Totally. Right? It's actually weird that it all that all happened. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. Um, do you want to talk Gateway songs? Yes. So I went in and did mine after you so yeah. I could see yours and I was not surprised at all by yours except that you're wrong about one of them. Okay. <laughs> Go, go you on. go first. All right. So mine are there's no business like show business. It's is it because I put the first version of it and not No. Because you put a reprise in instead. I'm I disagree with Moonshine Lullaby being a oh, gateway song. It's just that I love it. But it's not a gateway song. Okay, Ruth. but what if people fall in love with the song? But then they'll go to the musical and be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so we've Literally. talked about Moonshine Lullaby on mixtapes before. It's just like this really beautiful song in this show that it has no place in the show. So if we're talking about gateway songs, which is what this category is, <laughs> it's not a gateway. Of course I was going to put it in the list, Josephine. I know. So I wrote this note, Moonshine Lullaby is not a gateway song, Ruth, before I even saw that you'd put yeah, it into course, the gateways. Of course. Um, I wrote Moonshine Lullaby, there's no business like show business and anything you can do I can do better. Yeah. No, I mean there's no business like show business, anything you can do. I like two of the most famous songs in musical theatre Well, they're the two that I put in and I thought I could do um, uh, You Can't Get a Man with a Gun, which I really like. Um, Even like some of the others doing what can that – like there's some great songs in the show as we said. But like I would say Sun in the Morning, that's not – I don't think that's a gateway. No. Um, A couple of Frank songs also not really gateways. They're a bit boring, aren't they? And the 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 love duet is boring as well. Yeah. Is that – they say that falling in love is wonderful. Is that that one? Yeah. I think it's called It's Wonderful. Yeah. 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 And you know Moonshine Lullaby is not in the movie. Why? Because it doesn't fit. <sighs> I'm sorry. It's such a good song. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, I I, I really like list, like listening to it a lot this week and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, the songs, the songs are, great. are great. I just – but also like 
my memories of the musical is just that it's not a great show. No, it's not. Yeah. Because like you can't you can't get on board with a story like that. I remember the girl that played Annie Oakley in our production was great. Yeah. And she was that Gemma. Gemma, her name was. And she just like sang the shit out yeah. of it. And she was super ballsy. And that was fun. That's great. I think getting that sort of female role mm. like on stage and stuff. But as you say, the message yeah. well, of the know, show. I also think it's difficult to portray like sharpshooting. In a, yeah, in that a is true setting. too. Like, that is a very good point. A lot of the tricks are like you're on a horse, standing on a horse, shooting at targets yeah. far away. It's like, how do you do that in live theatre? Exactly. So I don't know if that's. Impressively. Yes, impressively. Yeah. So it's all that stuff that's like, oh. Yeah. And even just like the travel and the train and the Wild West show, yes. all of that stuff gets lost, I think. You end up being 42nd Street or whatever. With exactly, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, I've linked to, as far as what's on Spotify, the original Broadway cast with Ethel Merman's there, the expanded edition of the film soundtrack, yep. which includes the Judy Garland recordings, the the London cast recording from 1986, which features Susie Quattro yeah. is on there. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. And the 1999 Broadway revival with Listen Bernadette to that one. Peters. Except That's who is what Frank? I've linked to. I don't like him. Tom Wopat uh, from Dukes of Hazard, yeah, is Frank, yeah, yeah. Do you think Bernadette's voice is right for it? No, no. But it, it is, it is the recording to listen to. Though, yeah, probably. definitely. Yeah, she's an interesting choice. Yeah, I don't think she would have been great. No, I have to be honest, I don't she think won so the either. Tony Award, but yeah. unless I, she really pulled something out there that we've never seen. To before. me, it is not her role. No, like, but it's sort of one she's really known for. Yeah. Weird. But God, Reba McIntyre would have been amazing. Yeah. Now, every, have you every, seen those bootlegs of her? I've seen a lot of clips and every like person who was who is still yeah, around now like, that ah. was from Broadway then just said it was like yeah. Just inspired, yes. you know, like just the most perfect blend of like character and, yeah. and performer. Yeah. Um, but That's yeah. So good. Yeah. So like I don't I'm not like, oh, it's terrible. No. The show. It's more just like the songs are good. Irving Berlin was clearly a genius. Yes. But it's just not. The rest of it is like, eh. I can see, as I said, I can see why it's not really done anymore. And it shouldn't be. No. So. No. Our theatre has done it since as Have an they? adult show. I just didn't see it. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like maybe like early 2010s, something oh like my that. Gosh. Yeah. But I just maybe you and I, I think it was a time when you and I weren't really around. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, Annie, get your gun. Yeah. Annie, get your gun. I like the name of it, actually. I like the name Annie, get your gun. It is a good show It's a good title. Yeah. Absolutely. Everything else, eh. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like not not our most hated, I wouldn't say. No, no, no. 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 Um, But, yeah. Well, welcome back. It's so good to be back. That really invigorated me to <laughs> keep on exploring musicals. Look, I always love the history. Me too. If Particularly else, something like this. Yes. It's quite a rich history. That's it. Like I remember when we were like, why did we pick this show? Yeah. But then I was like, oh, I didn't know all of this, yeah, you know. It's fascinating. And, and obviously we're nerds and so we love yeah, that stuff. totally. Yeah. So even if we don't like the show. Just the amount of links on Wiki that I end up clicking as I, I know, read this right? stuff and I'm like, holy shit, yeah. now I'm looking at like land being sold off in the early 1800s <laughs> in America. Like what the hell are you doing? Anyway. I know. Yeah. You do end up those, down those rabbit holes, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Excellent. All right. All right. Well, well, thanks for coming, Ruth. Join, thanks for having me. Hmm. Um, join us in a couple of weeks for a mixtape. Yay. And, uh, yeah, and then a couple of weeks after for one of our new type episodes. bonusy thing. Yeah. I love it. Fun. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.